Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though it seems in my mind that I am repeating myself too often, I know of no other way to get this particular truth embedded within our souls but to just keep saying it that these scriptures, these words of truth that I have just read to us are God's perfect plan for us. His perfect plan that really will, without fail, change our souls and make us to be the sons and daughters of God that He intends for us to be. So I'll continue to say these words just as they are over and over again, beginning with the reminder that these precious instructions are not for the purpose of bringing unsaved people to Christ, as some teach, but rather are for people like you and me who are already saved, saved and ready to then move on forward in our relationship with Christ. And this is the path, and it's clearly laid out for us to follow. This is sanctification. And as another scripture says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. We know that it is His will that we do each of these things. But not only that, this is a command. Add to your faith all of these godly attributes. And I want us to note immediately in these words that these steps are very different from the steps we took when we first got saved. Remember that our salvation required very, very little of us. Our salvation was all of Christ, His suffering and His shed blood on the cross. But now this is different. This is different. From these words, we can quickly come to understand that now something will be required of us. Effort. Strong and diligent effort. And no... Our diligent effort cannot in and of itself sanctify us. The power to do that still remains within the hands of God and especially within the Holy Spirit. But still yet, these words are clear and they are plain. And you and I are to diligently and fervently invest ourselves in taking these steps of sanctification. May I pause though and again give us the scripture that tell us of this holy journey that we're on. The journey that takes us from our wretchedly sinful, unsaved beginning into eternal life with Christ. And please do make a note of these words so that you can refresh your memory from time to time. Beginning first from Romans 8, beginning in verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And listen, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then Romans 6, verse 22. Now that you have been set free from sin and have become servants to God, the benefit you reap leads to sanctification. 
That's the whole journey. Within those words is the whole journey from our earliest days of being lost and unsaved right on up to the moment that we enter into heaven and are glorified with Christ. And then here in today's text, we see the plan and the power that's behind all of the steps in between. The fulfilling of the precious promises that he speaks about here in verse 4. The promises that even as we remain in this life, and as we go through the difficulties that we do each day, you and I will surely be changed and will become very different people from whom we once were if we take this path. And we will escape, as he tells us here, the corruption that once plagued and controlled our fleshly souls. And here we're being told that it is our turn now to join with that which God is doing. That we are to join with the Holy Spirit and begin this joyous upward spiral of being set apart for the holiness and righteousness of God, for His purposes. And yes, contrary to what some teach, we do rise. There are planes of our relationship with Christ. We sing about that in one of our favorite hymns. It is an upward spiral that God is preaching to us here in these words. And He gives these words very plainly so that you and I don't have to wonder. How many times have you heard people say, well, I don't really know what to do to be who God wants me to be? It's clear right here. We are without excuse. This is step by step. Immediately after we're saved, we're to begin adding to our faith each of these what he calls divine character traits of God. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, notice that, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be able to do things you were never able to do before. Words will come out of your mouth that never came out of your mouth before. You'll say things and wonder, where did that come from? Good things, right things at the right moment. It's because this is taking place. In our message last week, then, we spoke first about adding to our faith virtue. This is assuming that those that he is talking to are actually already saved. And so he says, now to your faith that brought you to salvation, I want you to add virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is that special kind of dynamic goodness and moral excellence that constrains our souls to be and to do good and godly things using actually a word called valor. There is valor within this virtue like a strong soldier that is well-trained and dedicated. A behavior that never has to be questioned, that's beyond reproach. That's virtue. Being and doing good and godly things. And then we learn that to our faith and virtue, we're to immediately begin adding knowledge. That special kind of pure and holy knowledge of God that we gain from repeated reading 
and diligent study of this precious truth of Scripture. Writing those words indelibly upon the pages of our hearts and minds so that we'll have them and they'll be there and we'll be able to use them in those times when the matters of our day assail us. Godly wisdom and knowledge to know what to do. And let me remind you that this is all part of the verse that said to us, don't be concerned about what you will say when you are called before the magistrates. The Holy Spirit will bring those words to you. May I say to you that this is one of the ways if you have written them up on your heart, then the Holy Spirit will be able to bring those words to you. Yes, He'll be able to bring any words He wants to to you. But this is our responsibility. We are to have those words written up on our hearts so the Holy Spirit will bring those words to us when we need to have them. And then He says to us, to our faith and virtue and knowledge, we're to add self-control. Self-control. That's that delicate interaction between our own self-will and the will of the indwelling Holy Spirit. That yielding of our own natural responses of personal opinions and behaviors. The giving up of our desires and preferences for the usual provisions of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And instead, intentionally choosing the provision that the Holy Spirit makes for our souls. That peaceable fruit of righteousness. Self-control. And then to our faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control, we're then to add perseverance. Perseverance. As with all of these steps of sanctification, perseverance is something gained as well as something reached for. By that I mean as we continually seek to be and more to be more and more patient in times of difficulty and stress, we also find that those efforts that we have been making over time become easier for us. And they become more common to our personality. In other words, the more you and I exercise patience, the more we're able to exercise patience. A line and a song that keeps coming back to my memory and helping me, by the way, with my patience, is one that simply says that things can look different on a different day. Things can look different on a different day. And they so often really do. That which seems so stressful and anxiety-ridden and demanding yesterday may not be so intense today. Those dramas that often play out in our children's lives may not be so dramatic the next day. And I'm not saying that you and I need to procrastinate. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what God is suggesting here. Because there are many of those matters that do not work themselves out. And we must eventually then put our hand into those. But patience is the first requirement. God has a plan and it's us recognizing and trusting that God already has a plan and you and I must be patient enough to allow His hand to begin to do His part before we insert our own hand into that fray. Once we see His hand and His direction taking place, then we can know 
what we are to do. But if we just jump in with both feet immediately, we may alter something that God wants to be doing in their lives. We may circumvent it. We may somehow harm those ones that we want to help. Now all of that does require patience. And as we exercise this Holy Spirit-filled kind of patience over a long period of time, as I said a moment ago, we will find that our patience will be very different from that which we've experienced in the past. It'll become perseverance. Perseverance. That's because within this kind of patience, the Holy Spirit-filled patience is a special element of hope. It's what Jesus asked of His disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane when He asked them to tarry with Me for a while. A kind of hopeful waiting that confidently anticipates God's plans and purposes being carried out. Knowing that you have a part within what He's doing, but you want to be careful to just do your part. That's the essential difference between simple patience and this word perseverance. Perseverance has a patient confidence within it that trusts that God really is at work and will bring about good and righteous results. And so he tells us, add to your faith perseverance. And I want to give us one more warning. Please do wait until you see God's hand in a matter before you insert your hand into those circumstances. Because God really is at work in every circumstance. You just need to do as Jesus asked His disciples to do, and that is pray as you wait. Pray as you wait. Now then next to our faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, we're to add godliness. Godliness. But now may I pause here for a moment and again consider a question that I've often wondered about. Still do. That of are each of these attributes of sanctification necessarily in a specific order? One step required before the next step. And I confess that I don't know. I don't know. It seems so, but then not. The order might also need to be that we would exercise all of them at the same time. I don't know. There may be other times that one must come before another. I don't know. But because we have this order that's given to us here, we'll assume that it was given as a purposeful order and follow it as it is. And so then we will add to our perseverance godliness. What does God mean and what is to be our understanding of this word godliness? The simplest definition of the word is that we would be just like Him, like God. Not as an imitation of Him, We talked about that in the message last week, I believe. Imitation can be helpful at times, yes. But simple imitation of God is not enough. It's deeper than that. The answer to finding out how we actually can be godly is found in the words that we're studying here. It's the same words that we studied just a few weeks ago also as we studied about the knowledge of God. Those words in verse 3. His divine power, now notice that, it is His divine power that has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. 
through our knowledge of Him. Now we're going to understand this godliness through our knowledge of Him. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. That's verse 3. The word godliness has as a part of its meaning a devout, diligent effort and commitment towards having the very same kind of holiness that God Himself has. You'll only know what that is as you know God better, as you study His Scripture, as you learn about Him personally. The kind of holiness that He has. Now that's a tall order for us. A very tall order. But remember, we learned from 1 Peter 1 that we're commanded to do that. He says there in 1 Peter 1, He says, Be ye holy as I am holy. You and I don't have a choice in that. It's not as if we can't be holy. We can't make that excuse. He commands us to be ye holy as I am holy. And the only means, as I mentioned a moment ago, for us to know what God's holiness should look like in us is through us getting to know Him. To us getting to know Him personally and intimately. To know His mind. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Those are all very reasonable things for us to do. We think they are difficult, but they are not. He makes it possible for us. You recall that in that earlier study that of this word knowledge is one that not only includes a learned understanding of who God is, the studying the Scriptures, but it becomes in those moments also an experience, an experiential knowledge, a felt knowledge, an internal sense of who God is, this comprehension taking place through this deep and intimate an abiding relationship with Him. And I mentioned at that time that it's similar to the kind that you would experience in a long and intimate loving relationship with a wife or a husband. So in order for you and me to have godliness, we'll need to have and to experience an ever-increasing knowledge of who God really is, of His nature, of His character, of His will, and to allow His nature and His character to freely flow through us. And again, the proof, the evidence of godliness within our character is that we will actually change. We'll be very different people from that which we once were. We'll see it taking place within ourselves. But others especially will be able to see it taking place within us. Godliness. And then He tells us next that to our faith and virtue, and knowledge, and self-control, and perseverance, and godliness, we are to add brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And may I say to you that this is one of the most frequent points of failure in each of our lives. And that is so for even the most devout of Christian believers. And if you don't see that failure in yourself, then just pause right now for a moment. And consider your thoughts over the past few hours. What have been your thoughts about someone near you, a relative, a friend, a co-worker? What have been your thoughts? Have they been kind and generous and loving, accepting? Too often, our thoughts are judgmental in nature. Why do I say that? Because I know myself. 
that takes place within my own mind. I become very judgmental. I condemn very easily. I don't want to do that. That's wrong. But what's taking place there in my mind, and let me suggest it's taking place in your mind, is that we are holding a high and lofty opinion of ourselves. Why, I wouldn't do thus and so. And we hold a low opinion of others. Oh, but they do. We hold this high and lofty opinion of ourselves and a low opinion of others. And may I say to you on the authority of this word, God does not want you and me to do that. We are His beloved sons and daughters. He doesn't want His children sitting around grousing, complaining about others, thinking the worst about them first. He wants us to think the best of them first. Recall the words of Jesus when He was asked, what was the greatest commandment? He said there in Matthew 22, He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then listen. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone besides yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. In other words, if you will love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if you'll love your neighbor, love everyone else besides yourself, then you will be fulfilling every law that's in this Bible. You'll be fulfilling everything that the prophets have said if you'll do those two things. Those are the only two commandments that really will bring you to righteousness. And then may I say that in John 13, he went on a step further, Jesus did. He was instructing his disciples about loving each other. And there in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you. Listen. See, that's a step up from loving your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. In the same way that Jesus loves us, we're to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, and they will know that you're not if you don't. If you stand in your crowd and you grouse about your neighbor or your co-worker or you badmouth someone else, let me assure you that verse 35 does not take place. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It will show in your behavior and in the words you say. Listen, God places a high standard and requirement on the need for us to love one another and not just those who are easy to love. He even has scripture verses that says that. He says it's easy to love those that love you back. But what about those that don't? Or to love everyone, even the most unlovable. The ones with habits that we don't like. And let me say to you, please let's not be guilty of lying to ourselves and saying such things as, yes, I love him or her. I just don't like them. Please, don't use those words. Those words are not in keeping with these commands. They don't please the Lord and they shouldn't come out of our mouths. You and I are to actually love those unlovable people. And our behavior must be able to be easily seen and and felt as you would fellowship with someone. They need to know that you really do love them. 
So then, add brotherly kindness. And then lastly, to our faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness, we're to add love. Love. There's a difference, a great deal of difference between brotherly kindness and this word love. Brotherly kindness, yes, is a form of love and a very good and required form of love, but it does not reach to the height of this kind of love. And I know that we've studied the difference between these two forms of love in other messages. But let me give us a reminder. The word that we just studied here, brotherly kindness, is Philadelphia or phileo. The word that we're studying now, love, is agape. Philadelphia or phileo or brotherly kindness is more generally associated with the kind of love that we show towards our Christian brethren. Also, that which we do in just simple human kindness towards others. But agape love is far more wide-ranging and it's always expressed in the same context as a provision that's given by the Holy Spirit, His gifts and His fruits. And it's that powerful unction from the Holy Spirit that enables you and me to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then also to love even the worst of unsaved people. That's in keeping with the words that God spoke there in John 3.16. We're to rise to meet Him in that kind of love. This word for love here is the highest and best kind of love. It's the pinnacle of the expression of love filled with the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And may I say that as you and I are able to add this kind of godly love to our character, all of these other attributes that we've been studying become far, far easier and more effectual for us. Love, love. Now we'll stop here until next week and the Lord willing we'll pick back up here and talk about adding all of these precious attributes to our character in increasing measure increasing measure. But let me close with these words. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.